turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 13, we'll be reading verses 1 through 11. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, reading verses 1 through 11. As you know, the series here is a series on the Gospel based on every time the term Gospel is used in the book of Mark. But before we get to Mark, I want to start with a story here. The doctor on the right is a world-renowned doctor from Budapest, Hungary. If you can see the picture uh, clearly, these are two little girls who are joined together, not only at the head, but their brains were joined together. No one had ever been able to separate twins that were in this situation before. But the doctor on the right, Andras Sofian, is a man of faith, is a follower of Jesus. And he prayed a very simple prayer over and over again until God gave him the key on how to separate these twins. He didn't pray an elaborate prayer. His prayer was very simple. He prayed, Jesus, I am a sinner. I need you. Please help me. Jesus, I am a sinner. I need you. Please help me. And after each time, he would listen. And he said at the 53rd or the 54th time, God told him how this operation that everyone else says was impossible could be possible. You see, the brains of these two girls, there was a vein, that, an important vein. I'm not a doctor, so I don't understand it all. That was joined together. And he, was, he realized that the Holy Spirit in him helped him to understand that if he would block that vein and wait, in months, new vessels would form. And once the new vessels formed in both of the girls' brains, then he could separate them, but only then. So the whole process took about a year, but he was the first one to ever successfully do this. And he gives, as he speaks all over the world, he gives credit to God. Because he was willing to talk with God and to listen. Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. We'll focus on verses 10 and 11. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of the disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Often we focus on the wrong things, don't we? Do you see all these great buildings, Jesus replied? Not one stone will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple. Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, what will, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdom. 
There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings of birth pangs. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. Now our two key verses, verses 10 and 11. And the gospel must be first preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested or brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Just say whatever is given you at the time, because it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. We, as when we come to the Lord, we have this tremendous gift that we don't just enter into a relationship with God. We have the Holy Spirit of God indwells us, lives with us. As Alex would say, when we find ourselves in difficult situations, it is the Holy Spirit who does the heavy lifting. In this verse here, in this uh, section, we see it in the context of persecution. If you're persecuted, you may not know what to do or what to say, but don't worry, don't overthink it. God will give you the words. It's also in the context of the gospel being shared around the world. Often when we are talking with people or we want to share with someone, we're not sure what to say. The confidence that we're given here by the words of Jesus is if we are willing to build that relationship and if we are willing to listen, he will give us the right things to say in the same way as God gave that doctor the answer to this complicated question. This can happen to us when we are persecuted, when we share our faith, and in other areas. I happen to work with a ministry that has, that's in 112 countries. And there is a tremendous amount of persecution. Persecution is getting worse in India. One of our comrades we haven't heard from in almost a year. We have no idea how he is doing. He's in China. In China, if you are a health worker or a nurse, you spend two hours a day studying government propaganda before you do your work because they're so concerned that people are not carrying on the government's idea of the world rather than another worldview, particularly the Christian one. We don't experience suffering in persecution the way they do around the world. But whatever persecution we do experience or whatever may happen, the promise is here that when you're in that situation, God will provide the answers. God will provide what to say. How many times have you been in even simple social situations and you practice over and over again what you're going to say because you don't want to say the wrong thing? Here we're given this great confidence that the God that dwells within us will guide us. When we are in a situation where we want to share our faith with someone, we have to understand God loves your mother, father, sons, daughters, cousins, friends, co-workers more than you do. And he longs to communicate with them. So if we will listen, he will guide us and tell us what to do when and what to say. 
This even happens in other situations. Now, it can happen for you at work. I'm no brain surgeon, but I was in a situation once. Dustin, you can progress to the next slide. I used to be a teacher. I taught everything from first grade to 12th grade. And I had a young man who was an excellent student. He was a fantastic student. He was great at math. He understood that a pound was 16 ounces, but he just could not understand how the abbreviation for pound was LB. There's no P in it. Like, what is the story there? It's actually because it goes back to a, a Latin root. But he couldn't get it. And this kid got hundreds on every test. And at one point, I was, I was trying to help him with it. We would give quizzes on Wednesday so you knew how you were going to do on the test on Friday. And he had his Wednesday quiz, and he, he just couldn't remember. He said, I just can't remember it. I can't remember. It doesn't make any sense to me. And at one point, he looked at me and he said, you're the teacher. Help me to understand this. And I was frustrated. So I turned around to the board, because I didn't want him to see my face, and I said, and this was not a wonderful prayer, I said, God help me, in my head. Not God help me, but God help me. And he did. Next slide, please, Justin. God said, doesn't that one six look an awful lot like an LB? Tell him that. I told him, his face lit up, he was excited he could get 100 again, and he had the answer. Now, just like that doctor prayed a simple prayer, and I prayed a rather arrogant, non-concerned prayer, God still answered me. I had another situation. When I was running the school as an administrator, there was a, a student whose parents wanted her to come to our Christian school. I sensed that she did not want to be there and that this was going to be trouble. But they said, our daughter can't wait to come. She would love to be here. We'd love to have her here. What do we need to do? And the whole time while they're talking and saying all this, I'm saying, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me. Let me know what to do. Now, if I turn her away, I have to give some excuse. But what excuse can I give? I have a feeling. I have a sense that this isn't going to work. And this was a friend of one of our good sponsors for the school. So I had to have a good reason. And while they're talking, in my mind, I'm praying, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me. And I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, just ask the young lady if she wants to be here. So I turned to her and I said, I've heard a lot of wonderful things from your parents. Just tell me. Would you like to be here? And she said, I don't want to come to this beep, 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 beep school. And then I was able to look at the parents and say, I don't think this is going to work out. And nobody was upset. We all knew it wasn't going to work. And the problem was solved. How many times are we neglecting this great gift of the Holy Spirit in us? The Spirit of God that lives within you is the same one that hovered over and supervised the creation of the entire universe, and we carry him with us everywhere we go. So when it comes to persecution or sharing your faith, let's not overthink it. Let's just spend time with God and trust that he will give us 
the right words to say when it's the time to say it. You may say, well, look, I, this is great, Sam, but I've had plenty of times I've asked God for answers and I've just got nothing at all. Sometimes that means it's just not the time. So, are we neglecting this great gift? Don't overthink sharing your faith. Number three, pay attention to what we used to call in my tradition, the check in your spirit. Does anybody know what the check in your spirit is? That's when you're getting ready to say something and it's as if the Holy Spirit puts his hand on your shoulder and says, you might want to think about it. Now, many of us have had that experience. Maybe you knew it was God or not. You've had that experience and sometimes you grab the hand and throw it off and you say it anyway. And you pay the consequences. It happens in marriages. You're in the middle of a little tussle of some intense fellowship, and you've got an excellent thing to say to your spouse that's going to put them in their place. This could not have been crafted any better by the best writers of a TV show. You know exactly what's going to get right to the heart. And God just gives you that gentle, no, you probably don't want to do that. But sometimes you say, it's just too good. I'll ask for forgiveness later, but i got to say it. And we deal with the problem. So not only should we be relying on the Lord as far as what to say, but our timing, when to say it, and whether we should say anything at all. The very great part about this, the wonderful part about this promise, is that the pressure is on God if we do our part. If I do my part, it's up to God to communicate to me what to say and when to say it and how to say it. And it's not all on me. I don't have to be this creative speaker to, to share my faith. I need to connect with God and obey Him. Now, what's my part? Scriptural engagement. Scriptural engagement. Why not Bible reading? A lot of times we read the Bible. I'm talking about really engaging with the Scripture. One of the ways we look at the Bible is that it's a love letter from God. When I received love letters from my beautiful wife back there when I was in college, I read them over and over and over again. I tried to hear her voice in it. I tried to see what the intonation was. What exactly did she mean? What was the mood behind that sentence? On days when I missed her more, I, I would just read it over and over and over again. I engaged with that. We need to engage with the scripture. Many times you have a question for God and the answer is in the scripture that he's told you to connect with and you may pray and pray and pray and not get an answer because he knows he's already given it to you. Now, I don't know if God deals with you that way, but he does with me. When I first came to the Lord, I received more answers that were simpler, but now I know where I'm supposed to go and he knows that I know where I'm supposed to go. Prayer. We need to build this relationship with him. We're, sick. We're told that as sheep, we recognize his voice. You recognize someone's voice by hearing it over and over and over again. My wife and I have this little thing where now sometimes when we hear a voiceover, we try to guess who the person is. Can we recognize their voice? Can we recognize the Lord's voice? You'll recognize it more and more as you spend more time in prayer. But an important element to prayer that we often neglect 
is listening. Now, if you're with someone who's extremely intelligent or extremely important or knows a whole lot, are you going to do most of the talking? You're going to do most of the listening. When I meet with people that I know know a whole lot more than me about a subject, I'll ask them a few questions, and I just love to take in the information that they're going to share. But sometimes with God, our prayers are like driving up to the McDonald's drive-thru window. We pull up. This is what I want. We expect an answer within the next minute or so, and we want to drive off with our answer. That's not what prayer is supposed to be. And then we need to be patient. When I was a young father, my father uh, had cancer. And the cancer spread to his brain. We weren't sure what was going to happen. There were a lot of people around us who were saying God's going to heal him and it's all going to be better and everything's going to be okay. But I wanted to know what God was doing in my father's life. My father was a believer. I wanted to know what God was doing so I could help walk in along with what God was doing, not what I wanted. And so I started praying, God, tell me what the end result's going to be so we can prepare for it. And I didn't hear, didn't hear, didn't hear, didn't hear. About six months into that, every night I would pray, dear Lord, bless us, bless this, bless that, and please give me an answer about my dad. It got to the point where it was just wrote, I just said it, never expected an answer. And I went to sleep that particular night, six months in, and in a dream, I received the answer that God was bringing my father up over the hill to the other side. My next visit, I went to see my father and I said, Dad, do you know how this is going to end? He said, yes, God shared with me in a dream how this is going to end. He said, how about you? I said, yes, God shared with me in a dream how this is going to end. He said, well, then let's pray together for your mother and your brother and let's walk this out together. But it took six months before I heard. And I really wasn't being very good at listening. But God came through anyway. And that's the great part about all this in conclusion. You see, the pressure is on God if we do our part, but the pressure is on God. It's God's responsibility to communicate with us if we are willing to listen. So let's engage with Scripture. Let's spend more time in prayer. Let's listen and be patient and allow the Holy Spirit in us to give us the words when we're being persecuted, when we desire to share our faith with others, and maybe when you just have a third grader at work who's saying, you're the teacher, you explain this to me. Thank you.